0: Welcome to the Book of Mormon podcast, where it's all about uncovering questions, thoughts, and discoveries in your own personal Book of Mormon study. I know it seems crazy, but for over four years, I've been writing out the Book of Mormon, word for word, sentence by sentence, paragraph by paragraph. It's amazing what we can learn when we slow down and give space for personal revelation and insights beyond our normal reading pace. I'm Susan Gardner, a convert, a cyclist, and a Zuma to eight amazing grandkids. Come with me as we unveil new perspectives and understanding as I continue to write out the Book of Mormon. Hello, everybody. I'm your host, Susan Gardner, and you're listening to Writing the Book of Mormon Podcast, Season 2, Episode 5. A few podcasts back, I think I mentioned I played on a basketball team in college. Those were the good old days. I remember playing hard during a game when suddenly our coach would call a timeout. We'd hustle to the sideline, wipe our sweaty faces, and grab a quick drink. To help explain what improvements needed to be made, coach had a clipboard with paper and pen. We huddled around the coach listening closely to what was being said. All eyes were on the clipboard, and even though it was noising all around us, ears were tuned to the coach's voice. The coach would draw X's and O's and arrows on the paper, explaining what we had to do to improve our game. We needed to play better defense so the other team wouldn't slip by and score. Our offense had to be sharp and well-prepared. We were reminded to work as a team. What that meant to work as a team, let's say when we played defense, required us to block out after shots, get the rebound, and quickly pass the ball out and get back down the court. Now if we're on offense, we needed to spread out, make good crisp passes, run our plays well, and hit our shots. Before we knew it, time was up and the buzzer was going off. We rushed back on the court and got back in the game. As I quickly found my position and covered my man, there was always a feeling of great sense of appreciation for the coach's direction, and it always was spot on. Although at times I thought it was interesting how the coach watched the game sitting on the sideline, yet because the direction we were given proved to be just what was needed, I concluded the coach's view from the sideline must have been the best seat in the house. Our coach wasn't only great at giving direction during the game, I remember sitting in a classroom earlier in the week and watching video of future opponents playing ball. Doing this helped us learn more about the team we'd soon play. While watching the video, we observed how they moved on the court, what plays they ran, who was the strongest, the best shooter, and the fastest defender. I remember by game time, when we walked on that court, we felt more prepared because we had a better idea of who we were up against. I haven't heard of a playbook in any other sports besides football, but if our opponent or the adversary did have a playbook, 2 Nephi chapter 28 would definitely be a page out of it. This chapter exposes some of the tactics of the adversary in a very plain way. Knowing tactics are important, but more important is to know the objective. For instance, my oldest son is a big board game fan. He has many different games. When our family gets together, he's our go-to game guy. Before deciding which game we play, he always describes the objective of each one. That way, we all know what to expect while we play and what is required to win. Albert Einstein once said, life is just like a game. First, you have to learn the rules of the game and then play it better than anyone else. Well said, Albert. If life is just like a game, besides learning the rules, just like reviewing video of our basketball opponents, I think it's imperative to know who we are playing against. I believe our opponent in the game of life is Satan. Therefore, we need to ask a most important question. What is our opponent's objective? The Book of Mormon pulls no punches with this one. The clear answer is found in 2 Nephi 2, 27. I'll cut right to the chase and read the end of the verse. For he, speaking of the devil, seeketh that all men might be miserable like unto himself. Pretty plainly put, wouldn't you say? All the adversary wants is for us to be miserable. Next question. If misery is the object of our opponent, and this happens to be a two-player game, what is the object of the other side? why are they in the game? Another unmistakable statement that answers this question is found in Moses 1 39. It says, for behold, this is my work and my glory to bring to pass the immortality and eternal life of man. Okay, huddle up here. Let's discuss what we know so far. Now we know both sides want to win. What else do we know? Well, we learned our opponent will stop at nothing to be sure we are miserable. And the other side's sole purpose is to help us inherit eternal life. The first decision we have to make is, what team do we want to play for? If you ask me, this decision was a no-brainer. I'm not into misery. However obvious the choice may seem, I've discovered even when you know you're playing for the right team, life there isn't always easy. Here's what I mean. I remember coming off the court in between quarters of a game one time and falling into the team seats on the sideline. I was exhausted. I couldn't bear the thought of going back out there to battle again. Despite being well-prepared physically and briefed on our opponent's abilities, I was worn out battling our opponent. They were very savvy and effective, but most of all, they were tenacious. They just never seemed to get tired. Here I was doing the best I knew how, yet I was drained and felt defeated. I'll never forget that feeling, nor will I ever forget two occurring bits of advice our coach would give us on days like that. First, she said, we need to protect the baseline. Here's a brief description. Just in case you're not completely familiar with the lines on the basketball court, the baseline is the boundary at the end of both sides of the court and is the out-of-bounds line behind each basket. Uh, Let's see, it extends from sideline to sideline. Not only does it provide a boundary on the floor, but it's often used strategically by both offenses and defensives. So, in this game, Coach noticed the opponent had found a weak spot in the defense. That opponent was getting past the defender and scoring by the baseline. To avoid this, we were reminded to firmly put our foot to the line, hold our space, and stand strong. Doing this forced the opponent away from the goal and made it more difficult to score. So, the second had to do with shot selection. Shot selection has to do with making sure the shot you took was the best one available. The best way we found success when we had the ball was to run the plays and be patient when we shot. It was always tempting to want to look like a superstar, though. You know, hear the crowd roar for you. It was also very tempting to take the shot from the outside for a three-pointer, but we were told to resist that temptation. rein in that desire and remember it was better to be patient, work the ball around, and take shots we knew were proven to work. Making a good shot selection helped escalate the chance you'd have to make the bucket. Okay, Einstein, you might say, great basketball lingo, but what does this have to do with writing out the Book of Mormon? I'll tell you. After all the years I spent reading and putting pen to paper, it didn't take long to guess what was going to happen to the people I was reading about. It was always the same. Over and over again, I saw it went like this. As I read and wrote, I noticed those that chose to put up a strong defense and live their lives in a way that was proven to work were not only winners, but were happier people. I also observed living in a good way, like this, wasn't always easy. Like in my basketball experience, at times they were exhausted and felt defeated. They found their opponents were tenacious and they never gave up and sometimes the constant battle left drained. Even though it was difficult to endure at times, it seemed to me whenever the decision was made to stick to the game plan, eventually that decision to stay true brought success. Now let's turn this on ourselves. So why is it after being on a winning streak for a while, do we tend to take our eyes off the proverbial clipboard? Do we become bored with the X's, O's, and arrows of life? and instead start leaning towards wanting the limelight in praise of the crowd. After all, we might rationalize, why listen to someone who's just watching from the sidelines? We are the ones in the middle of everything, not them. They might have played in their day, but that was years ago. What do they know? It's a different game now. Yeah, this way of living how they saw fit and not listening to anyone else's advice did seem to pay off for a little while. Now, if life was just like a basketball game, we might see some temporary successes at first. The team might earn some W's and would seem really fun. But soon enough, we'd see they'd start throwing up bricks, being outscored, outplayed, and find themselves weighing heavily in the loser's column. Turns out, making decisions, like taking chances and not keeping your defenses up, eventually allows the opponent to capitalize on consequences from missed shots. They discover weak spots in the defense, and that makes it easy for them to score against you. Each loss, each defeat, brings misery to a game that used to be so fun. Ending up miserable? Sounds like someone might be listening to the wrong coach. I think one of my kids made the observation one time that it seemed like members of the church could make an analogy out of anything. I wholeheartedly agree with that. Therefore, I believe I have not disappointed you today. I've mentioned this before, but I'll say it again. I'm always fascinated how the eyes can read words, but hearts know what they're teaching. Like when I mentioned playing good defense, including protecting the baseline by firmly putting your foot to the line, holding your place, and standing strong. What came to mind when I talked about making a good shot selection, listening to the coach, keeping our eyes on the clipboard, paying attention to the XOs and arrows? How about the advice my coach gave us about staying with what has been proven to bring success, resisting the temptation to look like a superstar, and hear the roar of the crowd? And most of all, the importance of knowing the objective and tactics of our opponent. For me, comparing requirements for strong physical health to spiritual well being comes natural. Same with comparing playing sports to living life. In my mind, they just go together. The Lord knows that's how I learned best. I'm thankful He's my personal tutor in life. Not sure how that's possible, just glad that it is. I'll have to agree with Albert. Das Leben ist wie ein Spiel. He's a smart one, that one. And all this time, I thought he was only a scientist. It's not important to discover it first, it's more important to discover it for yourself. Slow pace, give space. If you like this episode, please subscribe to the podcast and share it with a friend who also loves the Book of Mormon. And if you're on Facebook, be sure to like our page and join our community. You type in writing the Book of Mormon discussion group. This will keep you up to date and current with new topics and conversations surrounding our study. I do appreciate you, and I hope you have an amazing day.